0: Chapter 14 and Joshua chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14 and Joshua chapter 14. We're going to be flipping back and forth among those two passages of Scripture. While you're finding your place, uh, your pastor wanted me to kind of introduce myself to you and give you just a brief testimony of what God has done in our life. Uh, I am Evangelist Jody Jenkins. Uh, My personal ministry is Hope Ministries. I do encourage you to visit my website. Uh, I'll give this to the pastors. You don't have to worry about remembering it, but it's called realhope.today, realhope.today, or you can get to it by my name, jodyjenkins.org. Now make sure you put the .org, because if you do .com, that's a country music singer. But anyway, other than that, uh, you can get to it by my name or Uh, realhope.today. Just real briefly, right before I get to the message tonight. I would encourage you to visit the website. You can find a little bit more there. There's a specific message there uh, that you can watch in detail that I preached entitled Depressed and Wanting to Die. I was a pastor uh, pastoring my home church. It was my dream job, if you will. My great-granddaddy taught Sunday school in my home church. Uh, I've been there all my life. It's a great church, great local church, all of this. And I was the pastor when my life crumbled. And I went into severe, deep, deep, dark, debilitating depression. I mean, to the point as a pastor that I was suicidal. I didn't do anything, but I sure thought about it. It was a perfect storm. And I'm telling you, I thought my life was over. I thought my ministry was over. It wasn't sin in my life. It was just a perfect storm, you understand. Ended up having a lot of physical things going on. Ended up having colon cancer all of these things, not at that time, but, but I'm talking about through that process. You can go listen to this later. So, so I had a physical storm going on, a mental storm going on, an emotional storm going on. My past came up. You know how the devil does that kind of stuff, you know. And I went into a deep, dark place. My wife stood right by my side. Uh, she's my hero tonight. She really is. And I'm telling you, uh, the mental picture I have of my bride is during that time when I thought I'd never preach again. Uh, for instance, I resigned the church, not because of sin, but because out of respect for the pulpit, basically. Uh, I didn't want to be a hypocrite behind the pulpit. I was doubting my salvation. I mean, all of this was going through my mind. I didn't want to be a hypocrite, so I, I, I stepped down. I resigned. All of that thought I'd never preach again. And during that time when I was in my low points, uh, the mental picture I have of my bride is that she was holding on with me, holding on to me with one hand, and holding on to God with the other. And absolutely refusing to let go of either one of us. Uh, you say, Jody, what delivered you? It wasn't a what, it was a who. God delivered me. And as I preach tonight, I'm telling you, I, honestly, folks, I am a walking miracle. It's not me. But I, I am a classic case of greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I'm a classic case of Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And I'm learning some things. My wife and I are writing a book together. Me from my viewpoint, her from her viewpoint. It's interesting that what God used to deliver me, you're looking at it. He used the pulpit to deliver me. It's interesting, isn't it? I see now that the devil is trying to get me out of the pulpit, period. Get me out of the pulpit. And God's call when I got back into the pulpit... Uh, In darkness, wondering, thinking to myself, if I preach again, God's going to kill me. Because I'm lost. I wasn't. But these are just things going through my mind, you understand. But God used his call in my life. That When I got back into the pulpit, there was just a little light that comes shining through. Uh, He didn't turn the light on. That's what I wanted. But just a little bead of light. And as I would preach more and more, that light just gets brighter and brighter and brighter to where the sun is shining again. God's delivered me. I give Him praise tonight. I'm telling you one thing, I get emotional about it because I know that but for the grace of God I would be dead. I would have taken my life. I would have done something crazy. And let me just say this here. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but that's what the H stands for in Hope Ministries. It's an acrostic. It stands for helping the broken. That's what it stands for. I've learned something that there are broken people everywhere. There are people in this auditorium, you may be going through things that maybe you wouldn't even share with anybody else. And I'm going to tell you something, you're not alone. There are preachers today standing behind pulpits who are depressed. Excuse me now, but they have nowhere, they think they have nowhere to turn. Some of them are afraid. I don't know this for sure. This is just my take on it. Some of them are afraid to talk about their depression because they're afraid they may lose some things. I'm going to tell you something, that's a mistake. At the same time, I want to be an individual now. That a man of God, if he's behind a pulpit and doesn't know who he can talk to, he can talk to me. Because I'm going to tell. You, and by the way, there are pastors around this country. I'm meeting with some of them. I've held meetings with them. They've got a burden to help hurting preachers. And I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for your man of God here. He loves you. He loves God. And 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 listen, things are going great. But you never know what's going through. His mind. You never know what he's going through. And just like he may not know what you're going through. But as you listen to me preach tonight, uh, forget about me, you understand. But just think about this tonight. There's hope in Jesus Christ. If God can do that for him, surely he can do it for me. God's put me through something. Now, Now listen, God's not, he wasn't in all those details. The devil was in the middle of all of it, you understand. But God allowed me to go through those things that now nobody has an excuse with me. Nobody can say it's over in my life. Nobody can tell me that. No preacher can say I might as well quit. They can't tell me that. I'm telling you that God's allowed me to go through these things and I, I trust that through it He's sharpening my axe, so to speak. And He's allowing me to connect with people in a way that I, never, that, 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 that I was never able to connect with them. So let me say this to you. You may be going through Depression. You may not even know that you're going through depression, but you know something's off somewhere. Maybe there's thoughts going through your mind. You're like, where in the world is that thought coming from? Maybe I'm talking to somebody and you say, Jody, what do I need to do? You need to let somebody know. And I'm telling you this, I'm here tonight. I'll be happy to stay as long as I need to tonight. If somebody needs to talk, come talk to me. I'll help you. Uh, I'll point you in the right direction. Please go listen to the sermon on RealHope today. Go to the sermon button. There's three sermons that you can watch there. You can watch any of them, but the one on depressed and wanting to die is the detailed message of my personal testimony. Folks, Elijah went through this. Do you understand that? Elijah went through it. If Elijah went through it, I can go through it. If I can go through it, you can go through it. You're not a weirdo, friends. And stop believing the lie that there's something wrong with you. There could be physically. There could be even emotionally. But don't swallow the lie. The devil's lying to you. And I'm telling you, God can give you something like you've never dreamed. God set me free through darkness. I'm talking about He's given me a new ministry. He set me free in my mind, my emotions. There are things today that do not bother me that bothered me pre-darkness. You understand what I'm saying to you? God took me to school. And I want to encourage you tonight. I'm not preaching along those lines, but I want to encourage you tonight. Uh, That may help somebody. And if you need to talk to me now, please, that's why I'm here. I'm honored to talk to you. Never be ashamed to go to your pastor. Never be ashamed of that. That's what he's here for. And encourage him and let him and his wife encourage you. And if you need to talk beyond this, I'll be happy to help you any way I can. Okay? Amen. You're in Numbers chapter 14 and Joshua chapter 14. Your pastor was sharing with me his burden for these meetings. And specifically what he mentioned to me was that he just wants people to get all in. You know, he's not the only one that wants people to get all in. God wants you all in. And tonight I want to preach to you about a Bible character that you've probably heard his name. He's a character that challenges us. Now you're in both of these passages, but I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 14, just one verse of Scripture in verse number 24. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. This is God speaking, and he says this. He says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and had followed me fully, Him will I give, uh, excuse me, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Notice what God says about Caleb. He says, Caleb had another spirit. Look at it, right there it is. Caleb had another spirit. And tonight I want to preach to you on, on this subject Caleb, the man with another spirit. The man with another spirit. Let's pray together. Father, help me tonight. And Lord, I want to publicly thank you again in front of of your people here of what you've done in my heart and life. I am well aware, O God, that it is the grace and mercy of God that I'm even here tonight. And I pray that you'll so empower me that it's evident. I pray tonight and confess to you I need you. I cannot preach this without your help. I pray for this church. I pray for this pastor, these precious people. I pray that your blessing will rest upon them. I pray for this special outreach uh, this weekend for VBS. Would you touch it? Would you divinely send people here? And may people be saved and lives be changed. And oh God, tonight I pray that somebody will determine to be another Caleb. Somebody will determine to be somebody like this that you look at them and say, they've got another spirit about them, a spirit that you like. God, my thoughts and use me tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. We can all remember the story beginning in Numbers chapter 13 when the Lord told Moses to send a man from every tribe to spy out the land of Canaan. Among those 12 spies was a man by the name of Caleb. And when these spies came back, 10 of them gave an evil report that discouraged the people. However, Caleb, who we're studying tonight, along with Joshua, gave a good report in which the people did not follow. As a result of the people's disbelief, God sentenced them to a life of wilderness wandering. And while the Lord is in progress of passing sentence on these unbelievers, He speaks concerning Caleb in verse 24. I've read it here. He says, but my servant had another spirit. In other words, there was something different about Caleb when compared to the others around him. Can I put it this way? He didn't go along with the crowd of his day. He had another spirit. He didn't go along with the doubts and fears of his day. No, he had another spirit. He didn't go along with the peer pressure all around him. No, he had another spirit. And as we fast forward, don't turn there yet, but in but as we fast forward to Joshua chapter 14, because you're in both passages, he's now 45 years older here in, in Numbers 14, he's 40 years old. In Joshua 14, he's 85 years old. And when you compare these two passages, we see that even 45 years later, Caleb still has this other spirit that calls God's blessing on his life. Let me pause here tonight and say in the world, I'm talking about in a world full of doubts and fears, may God raise up some Caleb's with another spirit. In a world where many are just going along to get along, God give us some Calebs with another spirit. In a world of compromise and ungodliness, God raise up another Caleb with another spirit. Make no mistakes about it when compared to the world around him and sin running rampant, disbelief on every hand and ungodliness breathing down his neck. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I'm talking about it was during that time with all that ungodliness going on that God speaks and says, Caleb has another spirit. This is what our churches need. This is what our homes need. Men and women and teenagers and children that God looks down from, I'm talking about from the portals of glory and all the sin running rampant and disbelief and fear and all of that. And I've been in all of that, you understand. What I'm saying to you is that he needs to look down and see some men and women and teens where he says, I see something different about them and I like it. Now I want to look at this spirit that Caleb had. And I want to bring out in Numbers 14 and Joshua 14, there are four major things that I see that summarizes this other spirit. In other words, what was it that summarized his life that basically caused God to say, I like that? I'll be honest with you. When God looks at me, I want him to see another spirit. I want him to see something that he says, I like that. He's different. He's not, he's not going along with, 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 with all this crazy tide. No, there's something different about him. There's four things that summarize his spirit that allowed and caused, if you will, God to say he had another spirit with him. What kind of a spirit did he have? I mean, I say this to you before I give you this outline. If one young person tonight will grab this, it'll change this church for the better. Not that this church needs change, but what church doesn't need changed for the better? If one, I hope many of you get it, but if one of you get it, it'll change so much and mean so much to the work of God. What kind of a spirit did he have? It's a simple outline tonight. Number one, he had the spirit of just believing God's Word. Make no mistakes about it. Caleb had the spirit of believing whatever God told him. You're in Numbers chapter 14. Flip back to chapter 13. Let me show you something here. We're going to compare now between when he's 40 and when he's 85. So stay with me here. Here in Numbers chapter 13, look at verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, notice this, which I give unto the children of Israel. See the word of God? See the promise? He's told Moses, I've already given you the land. Look at, look at chapter 13, verse 30. This is after they, the spies go. They come back. Ten of them are discouraging the people. But notice notice verse number 30. But And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Look at chapter 14, verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, there he is, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Do you see spirit here? Only rebel not ye against the Lord, verse 9, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their, their defenses departed, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. See, God said, I've already given you the land. But these other ten come back and say, we're not able, we're not able. There's giants there. We're just like grasshoppers. And Caleb, along with Joshua, we're talking about Caleb, he steals them and says, wait a minute, God is enough to give us this land. Now, look at at Joshua. Hold your place here now because we're going back and forth. Look at Joshua chapter 14 and see how he has this same spirit of just believing what God says. Look at Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, there he is, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. He's referring back to Numbers 13 and 14. Look at verse number 7. Forty years old was I when the Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Look at verse 9. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall Be thine inheritance and thy children's forever Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God Look at verse number 12 Now therefore give me this mountain Notice it now Where of the Lord spake in that day See it for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Here it is in Numbers 13 and 14. Joshua 14. He's 40 in Numbers. He's 85 here in Joshua. And we just see the spirit that if God said it, he believed it. What a testimony. In the midst of a nation who did not believe God. I'm talking about Caleb. He was not living when, when, when believing God was 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 was, was uh, 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 what 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 what's what's the word I'm thinking about? It it wasn't popular. Can I say it that way? He was living in a time when the when when the nation was turning against God, but yet in the midst of this nation that did not believe God, in the midst of a nation ready to stone him. In Numbers 14, verse number 10, when his world changed drastically after refusal to enter Canaan, even at the end of his life, Joshua, what I'm talking about in Joshua 14, we see Caleb had the spirit of simply believing God and God's holy word. Make no mistakes about it. Because of his faith in God, he withstood unbelievers. He claimed all God had for him because of his faith in God. And he drove out the Anakims when he was 85 years old because he believed in God. And the interesting thing is in verse number 11 in Joshua, it tells us that Caleb had as much strength when he was 85 as when he was 40. You know what this goes to tell us? This tells us right here, now listen to this. This goes to show that God always provides the strength to claim all of His promises. we just got to believe Him. God told him 45 years earlier, I'm going to give you that mountain. 45 years later, he's 85. So God gave him the strength he needed to claim His promise. And I'm telling you that this man just believed God. What a spirit. What a spirit of just believing whatever God says. Mark 11:22 and Jesus answering saith unto them, "Have faith in God." Todd was a three-year-old boy from the state of Rhode Island. He went down to the seacoast to fly a kite, but he had never flown a kite before. He had never seen it, all of that. He obviously had doubts. he was only three years old. His father assured him that all was well, and the kite would go up as planned. As Todd unraveled the string and watched the kite go up, he was heard to say, and I quote, "I knew it would fly, Daddy." You said it would." May I say this to you? God's looking for little Todds who just believe whatever He says. Faith in God makes great optimist. Over in Burma, at an Iram, Judson was lying in a jail with 32 pounds of chains on his ankles. His feet was bound to a bamboo pole. And a fellow prisoner said, Dr. Judson, what about the prospect of the conversion of the heathen? With a sneer on his face. And Dr. Judson's reply was, The prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. During an especially trying time in the work of the China Inland Mission, Hudson Taylor wrote to his wife, We have 25 cents and all the promises of God. I like that, friends. I don't, I don't know about you. That convicts me right there. The Wesley brothers. One of them said, my, my brother Charles, amid the difficulties of our early ministry, used to say, if the Lord would give me wings, I would fly. He said, I used to answer my brother and say, if the Lord bid me to fly, I would trust him to give me the wings. God, give us this spirit. You know what sent me into Depression. I doubted God. I doubted God's Word. I doubted God's promises. Now, granted, I had physical things going on, all those kind of things. My mind wasn't clicking, you, you understand. But spiritually speaking, the spiritual side of it, I was doubting what God said. And I'm telling you, may God give me this spirit. If God says it, I believe it. You've seen this sign, God said it, I said it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's hogwash. God said it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. But I am to believe it. And you can believe the word of God. In the midst of trials and tribulations, in the midst of war and wilderness wandering, have faith in God. Somebody said faith is never a blind leap, but a deep settled conviction that God will do what he's promised. I've got this story in front of me. It kind of illustrates this first point so well. During the terrible days of the blitz, a father holding his small son by the hand ran from a building that had been struck by a bomb. In the front yard was a shell hole. And seeking shelter as quickly as possible, the father jumped into the hole and held up his arms for his son to follow him. Terrified, the boy was, yet hearing his father's voice tell him to jump, the boy said, I can't see you. You ever seen a hole that's kind of covered with smoke and so on or whatever the case may be? This man has jumped into this shell hole that this bomb made and his boy looking down in the hole cannot see his daddy, but he can hear him calling to him, saying, Jump. And this boy, scared to death, whenever his daddy's was trying to get him to jump, he said, I can't see you, I can't see you. But the father looking up against the sky, tinted red with the burning buildings, called, To the silhouette of his son. But I can see you son. Jump. The boy jumped because he trusted his daddy's voice. Friends. You know as well as I do. That every now and then. You can't find God. You say what do you mean Jody. You ever prayed and it feels like it's not getting beyond your own head? You ever felt like, you ever felt like God's brought you to that shell hole, and you're looking for Him and you can't seem to find Him? You go to His Word and He gives you a promise, and everything in you says that that can't be true. At that moment, may the Holy Spirit of God whisper to you, "Be like Caleb." believe my voice I had one of our, our deacons he's with the Lord now he helped me with this as well he's, he took us back to the time when Isaac when Jacob and Esau you understand And Esau Isaac told Esau to go kill him an animal and bring it back and the mom her overheard this and sent, and sent, and sent, and sent Jacob in and, and, put, and put the hair of the animals on him you remember the story right? And when he goes in to try to, try to try to confuse his dad, to try to steal his brother's blessing, his daddy made a statement and said this. He said, he said, the hands are the hands of Esau, but the voice is the voice of Jacob's. And that old deacon who's with the Lord now, he said, trust the voice, not the feeling. Wow. See, if the devil can get you to live by your feelings, he's got you. But we're to live by our faith. He had the spirit of just believing whatever God says. Number two, he had the spirit of following God wholly. Can I put it this way? He was all in. You say, what do you mean? Look at Joshua chapter chapter 14. I want to show you something here. It's very interesting here. Look at Joshua chapter 14 and look at verse number 8. Nevertheless, my brethren, this, this is Caleb talking about it, Talking here. He says, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So he's saying it's about himself here. By the way, the word holy means that I'm doing it completely. There's nothing else I could have done. I was all in. Can I put it that way? He said it about himself. Look at verse 8. Verse 9. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Wait a minute. Now Moses said it. It was 45 years earlier, but Moses said it. You know, it's one thing to say it about yourself. I can't do anymore. I'm all in. There's nothing else that God expects from me. Caleb said that about himself. Moses said that about Caleb. But wait a minute, flip back to Numbers chapter 14 and let me show you something here. See, when the Bible says he completely followed the Lord, the Hebrew word here is full of meaning. It describes a man who gives himself entirely and completely to God. He does this because he loves God so much and he wants to serve God only. In other words, let me put it this way, Caleb was not a, a fence straddler. Can I put it that way? He wasn't going to have one foot in the world and one foot in the work of God. He was all in. He said that about himself. Moses said it about him. And by the way, this phrase is used about him some six times in God's word. But none is more meaningful than Numbers 14, 24. It's our text verse. This is not Caleb saying it. This is not Moses saying it. This is God saying it. And God says, but my servant Caleb, Numbers 14, 24, because he had another spirit with him, notice this now, and hath followed me fully. God said that about him. What does this mean? God was looking at him and God basically said, I do not expect any more than what Caleb has done for me. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not convicted there, you're probably full of pride. Because I don't think God can say that about me. But I want him to. Don't you? Don't you want God to look at you and say, Man, I see something I like That That young man, that young lady, that senior saint, whatever your age is, there's something different about them. They believe whatever I tell them. And they are as close to me as they can get. I don't expect anyone. They are completely, they're all in. I mean, they are fully committed to me. What a statement. And this is what he said about Caleb. I want to ask you a question. Would God say this about you? Would he even consider saying this about you? By the way, this means your secret life's right. This means your private life's right. This means you're serving. There's so much that could be said here, and I'm not going to preach that, but I'm asking you a question. Have you really sold out to God? I mean completely. God, I'm yours. My answer is yes. I don't care what it is. I don't care where it is. I don't care what you want me to do. My answer is yes. I want to get as close as I possible. Have you truly gone All in for God. We live in a world, let's just be honest, where it's casual Christianity. God doesn't expect casual Christians. He expects and He deserves committed Christians. When Julius Caesar landed on the shores of Britain with his Roman legions, he took a bold and decisive step to ensure that success of his military venture would take place. He ordered his men to stop on the edge of the cliffs of Dover and he commanded them to look down at the water below. And to their amazement, they saw every ship in which they had crossed the channel engulfed in flames. See, he had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. Now that his soldiers were unable to return to the continent, there was nothing left for them to do but to advance and conquer and that's exactly what they did. Can I put it this way? God wants some of us to burn our boats. There are too many Christians say, well, I'll try this for a while, but as soon as a heartache hits, you're done, you quit, it's over. I about did that myself. Matter of fact, I did for several months. And I was wrong. I'm telling you, does God have all of you? Three girls were talking about their dads and one said, my dad is a doctor and he practices medicine. Another one said, my dad's an attorney and he practices law. The third one said, my dad's a Christian, but he doesn't practice that anymore. Don't be like that. The story's told of a man who rode in his car as it was being towed to be repaired. And when they arrived at the repair shop, the tow truck driver uh, told him, said, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to make it up that big hill. The man said, I didn't either. That's why I kept the brakes on, so we wouldn't roll backwards. In other words, friends, to live without total dedication to Christ is the same thing as trying to go forward and to hold back at the same time. You're missing out when you hold out on God. Charles Spurgeon tells... He told about the deep love and devotion that French soldiers had for their leader, Napoleon. He noted that it was not at all unusual for a mortally wounded soldier, in other words, this soldier's going to die, to raise himself up on one elbow and give a final cheer to his reverend uh, 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 general. And if by chance the dying man saw Napoleon nearby, he would with his final breath shout a statement. that Perhaps one of the most eloquent expressions of All, however, came from the lips of a soldier who had been shot in the chest. If You can imagine this. And as the surgeon was attempting to remove the bullet from this man's chest, the suffering man was heard to whisper, If you go much deeper, doctor, you'll come to the emperor. In other words, what he was saying is that all I have in my heart is my commander. And if you cut me much deeper, you're going to find Napoleon. You know what's sad? is when human beings commit themselves with that much zeal to another human being. When God's children, it's a rarity. Let's just be honest. It's a rarity for any, any child of God, young and old. It's a rarity for somebody to truly be sold out. That needs to change. Let me ask you a question, husband and wife. Have you all are married in here? Would you raise your hand? Let me ask you a question. I, I, I'm talking to because because I am too. Let me let me ask this all a question. Are you satisfied if your mate is 85 percent yours? Are you satisfied if they're 95 percent loyal? Are you satisfied if they're 99.999 and all the nines in the world faithful? No. You want their complete loyalty, right? And you should. Why should I want that out of my wife and just treat God as eh? I'm going to tell you something, friends. It's sickening. This is what God says makes him sick in the book of Revelation. I would that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth, is what he said. In other words, it makes me sick. And I'm telling you, we need this. William Booth, he said this. He said, I'll tell you the secret. God has had all that there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, even with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and caught a vision of what Jesus Christ would do with with me and them, on that day I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth there was. And if there's anything of power in a salvation army this many years ago, obviously, it's because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Can you say that about yourself? Chrysler, he was a famous violinist. He testified to the point when he said, Narrow is the road that leads to the life of a violinist hour after hour, day after day, week after week, for years, I lived with my violin. There were so many things I wanted to do that I had to leave undone. There were so many places I wanted to go that I had to miss if I was to master the violin. The road that I traveled was narrow road and the way was hard. And I say, sure it was. But God helped us to give God the allegiance that man gave to an instrument. Do you have this spirit of completely following God, holy, wholehearted, all in? Number one, he had the spirit of believing whatever God says. He had the spirit of completely following Him, wholly following Him, committing completely, whatever makes the most sense to you there. You get it. He's completely devoted. Number three, he had the spirit of depending on God for victory. We see this in Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter number Chapter 14, verse 12. This is Caleb still speaking and he said he, he's talking about give me, that, give me that mountain. He's telling Joshua, give me that mountain that Moses spoke of, that God's promised. Look at verse number 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and the, and the cities were great and fenced. Notice this now. Notice where his dependence is. If so be the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You see his dependence here? See something else that summarized Caleb's spirit through his life was not only how he just believed whatever God said and he committed himself completely to God but he depended on God for victory. Through his life you just see his dependence. Numbers 14, 6 through 9, Joshua 14, 12 here even though he already had God's promise. He already had God's promise. He wanted to make it clear that it was that he was not depending on his ability. He was not depending on his know-how. He was not depending on his military, whatever he had there. But he wanted, the, he wanted the people to know that he was depending on God to give him this mountain. His confidence was not in himself, but in God. In other words, can I say it this way? Caleb was truly a humble man. Hey, you know what humility is? Some people think humility is throwing, throwing dust and ice. Oh, woe is me. No, that can be a form of pride. You know what true Bible humility is? Give me that mountain that God said. And I'm going to tell you when I get it, it's not going to be me. It'll be because he helped me get it. That's Bible humility. It's depending on God, not self. M. R. Dahan used to say, humility is something we should constantly pray for, yet never thank God that we have it. Caleb had the spirit of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Have this spirit of complete dependence upon God. Realize we will have nothing unless God gives it. Psalm 118.8 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. David had this same spirit when he, when he faced the giant in 1 Samuel 17 47. He said, The battle is the Lord's. It's the, same, it's the same principle, depending on God for victory. Hey, we're just looking at this spirit. God said he has another spirit. I'm looking at all this disbelief and all this, all this doubt and all this fear and all of that. Yet, yet I've promised these people that I'm going to give them the land. But when I looked at Caleb, I saw something different. What he saw was a man with a spirit just to believe whatever he said. Was a man who had given himself completely to him. Was a man who was depending on him for victory. And then finally, number four, he had the spirit of giving God all the praise. We see this in Joshua chapter 14. Look at verse number 6. Then the children of Israel came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said, Thou knowest the thing... Notice this now. Notice how much he talks about the Lord. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me. Look at verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. Do you hear it? The Lord's kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and now lo I am this day fourscore and five years old he's eighty five years old and that same verse verse twelve now therefore give me this mountain hey if you're a senior saint in here tonight this ought to encourage your heart I'm telling you he wasn't done with Moses excuse me he wasn't done with Caleb even when he was eighty five years old he had more for him to do And he's saying as an 85-year-old man, now give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. And he says, if so be, the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. What a spirit. One of the interesting things about Caleb's spirit is it was one of praising his God. You'll notice how often the Lord was mentioned when he opened his mouth. As a matter of fact, any time in the Word of God when Caleb is speaking, look who he's speaking about. He's speaking about the Lord. His praise was not about himself. And can I say it this way? He was a pretty good warrior, friends. But his, His praise was not about himself. His praise was not about Joshua. It wasn't about the army. But his praise was given to God. He had the spirit of taking credit for nothing but giving God all the praise. You know, I can just hear him coming out of Egypt saying, Praise God. I can hear him through the Red Sea. You know, he went through all of this, you understand. I can hear him say, Good night, look what the Lord's done now. Through the Jordan River and here in the Promised Land getting ready to claim his prize he's still talking about God. Friends, the Bible says in Psalm 44 8, In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Psalm 71 6, By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. Psalm 107 8 15 21 and 31. Oh that men would praise the Lord for his goodness for his wonderful works of the children of men. Hudson Taylor was scheduled to speak at a large Presbyterian church in Melbourne, Australia. The moderator of the service introduced the missionary in eloquent and glowing terms. He told the large congregation all that Taylor had accomplished in China and then presented him as, as, and I quote, our illustrious guest. Taylor stood quietly for a moment, then opened his message by saying, Dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrious master. Wakefield tells the story of the famous inventor of the telegraph, Samuel Morris, who was once asked if he ever encountered situations where he didn't know what to do. Samuel Morris responded more than once, and whenever I could not see my way clearly, I knelt down and prayed to God for light and understanding. Morris received many honors from, from his invention of the telegraph, but felt undeserving and said, and I quote, I have made a valuable application of electricity not because I was superior to other men but solely because God who meant it for mankind must reveal it to someone and he was pleased to reveal it to me. Not going to find that probably in your public school notebooks, friends. His first message was what hath God wrought. God give us praise to God. I'm telling you, in good times and bad times, and there are both, in happy times and sad times, Caleb was a man. Hey, get it. He was sentenced to dwell in the wilderness for 40 years too, friends. He knew he was supposed to be over there 40 years earlier. Did he get bitter at God? No. He comes out on the other end when he's finally on the other side. And he looks back and he says, God has kept me alive. What a spirit. I'm concluding this. It doesn't mean you're concluding, okay? In the midst of a majority of unbelievers, I'm talking about Caleb. In the midst of a majority of unbelievers, God looked at Caleb and said he has another spirit. Even though he had the same circumstances, born in Egypt, seeing the miracles, the Red Sea parted, suffered Egyptian cruelness, all of that, yet he had a different spirit. He had a spirit he's just going to believe whatever God says. He had a spirit he's going to give God everything. He had a spirit he's going to depend on God for victory and he's going to give God all the praise. For 45 years, Caleb's vision burned in his heart. He wasn't content with the average. He wanted all God had for him. And as a result, God rewarded him with a place called Hebron. And if you look up the meaning of that place, you know what it means? It means fellowship. And I say it this way, God brought him closer. And I want to challenge you with this. If we have somebody that's going to play the piano, you can come on up. And just prepare to play here in just a moment. I'm going to have you play through softly here momentarily. Pastor, I'm so honored to be here. My mind is racing. I'm thinking about the time in my darkness when I never thought I would do this ever again, I thought it was over. But God has delivered us. And now on this side, looking back, I want to be a Caleb. God has taught me something. He's taught me so many things. When you get prepared, you can just begin to play through softly, whatever you're choosing there. Let me come down here with you for just a moment. I am living proof and I've learned that whatever God says, is true. Even when you can't feel Him within 10,000 miles of you. God's taught me that He's still looking for people who are just going to trust Him. I'm ashamed to say I was not one of those for several months. But I sure want to be now. Let me put it this way. Caleb had another spirit in him because he was God's child. In a crowd this size, I may be talking to somebody that if you died like you are, you don't have peace that you're going to heaven. I say this to you, I highly recommend Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful Savior. There's nothing like thinking that you're abandoned by God. I thought I was on my way to hell, thought I was reprobate. It was all lies, but I, I thought it was God saying, so I'm done with you, finished. You're going to burn in hell and there's nothing you can do about it. I'd go to bed at night. When I'd see the sun start coming up the next day, I'd be like, oh no, here's another day. I didn't want to live but I didn't want to die because I thought I'd wake up in a place where I'm not going to wake up at hey the devil hates you friends he had me in his clutches but there came a time I can't, I can't explain it there just came a time when God stepped in like in Job's life when, when, when the Bible says he turned my captivity it's as if God stepped in and said that is far enough devil no more no more and now I get to preach to you. I'm not worthy of this. God's been so good to me. I want to finish well. I want to run into his arms. Some people, when they see Jesus, they may shout. Nothing wrong with that. When I feel the presence of God, I cry. And I really think when I see Jesus, I'm just going to cry like a baby. I'm not worthy of this. And I'm going to tell you something young people, older people, if you don't know Jesus, you ought to run to this altar. So I want want to know Jesus who changed your life, Jody. I want to know Jesus that when you're at the bottom, I mean, I I, I can't explain. I can't even explain it to my wife. I mean, I was at the bottom, I thought it's done thought I was going to burn forever God has stepped in and helped me see I was believing lies when you trust God he gives you peace I'm not concerned where I'm going when I die nor where I'm going when I die I've trusted Jesus and Jesus alone have you? if your answer is yes rest in him believe whatever he says if you haven't You can tonight If you have And you say I know I have I've trusted Christ Don't you want God To look at you And see another Caleb Don't you want that That's what I want And that's what you should want too So here's the invitation Every head bowed Every eye closed How many you tonight say Jody I'm glad I'm going to heaven I'm glad I'm saved I'm glad I'm born again I'm not trusting my works I'm trusting Jesus To get me to heaven I know I'm saved Would you raise your hand You know that God bless you You can put your hand down By the way Never get over that Some of you could not Raise your hand May I say this to you Thank you for being honest It all starts with honesty, it really does. And may I encourage you, if you could not raise your hand, may I encourage you with something, don't listen to what the devil's telling you. Don't let him lie to you. Here's what God says. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the accepted time. Here's what God says. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is there one tonight, you say, Brother Jody, I cannot raise my hand saying I know I'm saved, but I want to. I'm not going to come to your seat. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to draw attention to you. I just want to know how to proceed here. If you say, Jody, I do not have peace that I'm going to heaven, or maybe you know you're not going to heaven, but you say, Jody, I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want peace. I want to know that my sins are forgiven and I want to know that at least I'm going to heaven. I don't know that tonight, but I want to know that tonight. Is there somebody like that? I'm not going to come to your seat, not going to embarrass you in any way. But if that's you, would you raise your hand? You say, pray for me. God bless you. I see that hand. You can put your hand right back down. Somebody else, you say, pray for me. I want to know this. If you raise your hand for that question, in just a moment we're going to have an invitation and it's exactly what I'm calling it we're inviting you we're inviting you to Jesus Christ and when the invitation is given I'm going to have the pastor if he wouldn't mind just to kind of stand down front right here in front of me and we would love for somebody to take a Bible and share the gospel story with you now let me tell you what's going to happen the devil's going to lie to you he's going to try to keep you in your seat Oh what will people think Uh, Listen I'll tell you what people will think Who are right with God They'll rejoice Because tonight God is speaking to your heart So in just a moment when we respond I want you to come And I want you to let the pastor know That you need to be saved You want to know Jesus as your Savior The rest of you in here tonight You say Jody would you pray for me I'm saved I'm a born again Christian But I want to be a Caleb Hey you're not playing games you really want to be a Caleb And you say would you pray for me I want God to see in me What he saw in Caleb If that's you would you raise your hand Be honest about that You say well that's me I really do Would you do this When you respond it helps others to respond Why don't you just get out of your seat right now And come and say God Would you make me like this Would you give me your spirit Would you give me this spirit of Caleb would you help Would you help me to have this same spirit? Come on. Is there somebody at the altar you say, Brother Jody, I'd like for somebody to pray with me. Is there somebody like that? Would you raise your hand? Anybody at the altar that would like for somebody to pray with you? There's a young boy right over there. He wants somebody to pray with him. Right over there, all the way against the wall. Somebody say, Jody, would you pray for me? I want somebody to pray with me. Anybody like that? Would you raise your hand? Don't be be ashamed of that. Anybody at all? You say, this is it. This is it. May God help us. May the Lord help us, no doubt about it.
1: As the piano plays, heads bowed, eyes closed. Tonight, as you're sitting there in your seats, heads bowed, eyes closed, I want to know how to pray for you. And I know there's no doubt the Lord's working in many lives tonight. Tonight, as you're sitting there, again, heads bowed, eyes closed, you say, I'm not going to call anyone out, you say, Pastor, if no one else needed this message, I needed this from the Lord tonight. Would you just slip up your hand? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness tonight. Lord, I'm so grateful. Lord, I pray that you would begin to do a work in our hearts. Lord, as you've already, Lord, gotten our attention, I pray that, Lord, there will be some that will find themselves saying, I'm all in. I'm given. Lord, wherever you send, I'll go. Lord, whatever you ask, I'll do. Lord, I pray that we find ourselves tonight saying no more games. No more going through the motions. No more waking up and just saying it's another day and just floating on through. Lord, we find ourselves saying I want to give God my best. I want to give my all. Lord, I pray that you'd move us to action. Lord, tonight, if there's one who says, I want to surrender, I just don't know. Lord, may you deal with the unknown and, Lord, bring us to a place of faith where we say the unknown no longer matters, just his perfect will. Lord, I pray that you would deal with us. Lord, this is just the start of decisions. Lord, tonight as we go home, I pray that we'd continue to allow you to speak and deal with us, and Lord, that we'd follow through. Lord, that tomorrow morning we'd wake up with a a desire to get into the Word and to fellowship with you and to find ourselves gleaning from your Word. I pray that we'd find ourselves fellowshipping through prayer. Lord, that if there's any commitments that have been made tonight, Lord, that they'd be followed through tomorrow. Lord, that if any decisions have been made, Lord, that they be made public. Lord, that you're doing a work in our lives. Lord, I thank you for Brother Jody. Lord, we're so grateful for the messenger. Lord, we're so grateful for the message. We thank you for how you work, Lord, and you always bring us to the place, Lord, of understanding that there's something right in front of us, Lord, if we just believe. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of Brother Jody and Lord, what you've done in his family's life, what you've done in his life. Lord, I thank you that as he stood in this pulpit, he didn't say, look what I've done, but he continued to point us to you, saying what what God has done. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now. Lord, that you'd guide us and direct us. Lord, that we'd be given thank you for how you've worked i pray that you've received all the honor all the glory and lord that we'd find ourselves praising you i pray that you would lord as we go our separate ways here in a little while lord that you provide us the safety we need to get home and the safety to return back on sunday Lord, we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your grace we thank you for all the many blessings i pray that you'd help us now it's in jesus name we do pray